Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art, and we are just about a week away from Thanksgiving. So I hope that you are getting in shape for the big turkey day, trying out lots of different uh, potential recipes and snacks and treats and, you know, all the things that make your cardiologist groan. Today I have an interview for you. Her name is Clara McKenna. She's the author of the acclaimed Stella and Lindy mystery series. She is also a fellow Iowan. Along with me, I'm excited to be sharing some some great Iowa talent with you today. When you really dig deep into the culture and, and people of Iowa, you, you, you'll find some very creative, very talented people. And fortunately, I didn't have to dig too deep to find Clara McKenna. She's written a wonderful mystery, a Christmas mystery, that is book five in the series, but I'm going to go back and reread the, the whole series. I, I know I've talked about the book in a previous episode, but she's going to be my guest today. I'm really looking forward to sharing that interview with you. Uh, but let's take a quick stop by the Christmas book corner, and I got a couple of recommendations for you. If you are a parent of young children and are looking for some new good Christmas stories, I've got two I want to recommend. One is called Needles, the Forgotten Christmas Tree, and it's by Richard Wagner. And it's a a, a wonderful little story about a scraggly little Christmas tree that must endure criticism, laughter, and setbacks to realize his goal of becoming a beautiful Christmas tree. It's a story that shows that while the world is not always a perfect place, but that with with beauty and love and acceptance, uh, along with the spirit of Christmas, that we we can help make a change and we can help bring joy. Uh, so it's it's a very heartwarming Christmas story, beautiful illustrations, and I loved the conversation I had with Richard. And that will be coming up in the next week or two uh, on the podcast. So make sure you stay subscribed uh, so you won't miss out on that interview. And then I also want to share another children's book that is coming out on November 30th, but it's available for pre-order right now on Amazon and places like that. It's called Double Trouble and the Upside Down Christmas Tree, and it's by Tyler Mitchell. It tells the story of uh, Tyler when he was a young boy and... He had uh, two twin brothers that were nicknamed Double Trouble. This is based on a true story of his life that uh, when they were young, they just kept causing trouble with the Christmas tree. And their father finally had to get a little creative to help keep them out of the Christmas tree. Tyler's book, Double Trouble and the Upside Down Christmas Tree, is again a wonderful children's story. Perfect for, you know, that age three to three to five, three to six, three to seven age range. Um, really great animated drawings, um, a, a fun story that uh, I, I think your young kids will enjoy or grandkids. If you are looking for some book ideas to, to send to uh, you know your grandkids or your own kids are young and would enjoy this, I would encourage you to, to check those out. If you're an adult and just love a beautiful put together Christmas story, to leave out for decorations these both of these would be fantastic um i just keep finding myself grabbing them and looking through at the pictures it's just beautifully done the illustrator on 
in the Needles book, her name is, uh, the name there is Sydney Kruger. And then uh, for The Double Trouble and the Upside Down Christmas Tree, uh, the illustrator is Brian Dumb. Just fantastic job. Uh, I loved my conversation with Tyler. We we just swapped stories and uh, talked about Christmas for quite a while. And I it's that episode will come out, I believe, on November 30th, which is when his book is released as well. But it's available now for pre-order, and that lets the publisher know that uh, there's a lot of interest in, in that book. So you want to make sure to check those out. But Tyler's book got me thinking about Christmases as a kid and how much fun it was, you know, just to have that joy of being a child at Christmas time. There's really nothing like it. As an adult, I, you know, I still find joy and a lot of pleasure in Christmas, obviously, but there's just something so amazing and and magical about seeing Christmas with the eyes of a child, you know, with the, with the attitude, with the approach of a child that I find myself missing that some days. I love, I've loved having the time when my kids were young and seeing Christmas and how excited they were for Christmas. And now I'm at the age where, you know, I'll probably be closer to grandkids now within the next, you know, five, 10 years, who knows all that to say this year, don't be a Grinch. What both stories have in common is that sometimes things don't go as expected, but that doesn't mean we have to give up, right? That Or that Christmas is ruined or that, you know, Santa won't come or whatever, you know, get creative, get into the spirit of the holiday. I guess, you know, don't look at these things as challenges, but as opportunities to create some new and long lasting memories. The, the common theme with both of these gentlemen that reached out to me with their story is that these were events that happened to them as children, and that has carried on into adulthood for them to the point where they were so inspired by the stories that happened to them, they've written it down in a book and are leaving it for, you know, the next generation. So, you know, you never know how those Christmas memories of, of the past can be used to help inspire uh, Christmas joy into the future. It's just something to think about. Uh, But again, those two books are called Needles, The Forgotten Christmas Tree by Richard Wagner and Double Trouble and the Upside Down Christmas Tree by Tyler G. Mitchell. Both are available on Amazon uh, and I'll leave links down below for you guys to check that out. All right. Well, speaking of books, let's go ahead and uh, I'll head up to the old interview loft. I'll talk with Clara McKenna about her new book, Murder on Mistletoe Lane. My guest today is Clara McKenna. She is the author of the Stella and Lindy mystery series, and her latest book is called Murder on Mistletoe Lane, a Christmas set uh, co- well, Christmas set mystery. I don't know if it's quite as a cozy mystery as some are, but it's uh, definitely in the neighborhood. Uh, it, it, I read it and enjoyed it greatly. I thought it was kind of a great combination of Downton Abbey and uh, a cozy mystery. Clara is uh, also a fellow Iowan with me. So uh, we both give you uh, a, a hearty Christmas greeting today from uh, from the glorious Midwest. And uh, Clara, welcome to the Cozy Christmas Podcast. 
Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I uh, this book that you wrote just came out. Um, well, at the time of our recording, it was just two days ago, so it's out now. Um, what can you tell us about uh, about the book? Um, well, it is the fifth book in the series, and it is Stella and Lindy who are the main characters. They are um, having their first Christmas together as newlyweds at Lindy's um, ancestral uh, estate in the New Forest region of England. And Stella, who has not really had much um, happy Christmases since she was a, a child, is trying to kind of recreate that magic that she sort of thinks she remembers from back then. And she's getting all kinds of roadblocks. So she just wants things like popcorn to string on the tree and the cook won't refuses to to pop it for her. And and she wants to um, maybe have bring some of her traditions from Kentucky, maybe put a little bourbon in, in the fruitcake, that sort of thing. <laughs> and and then, of course, on top of it all, she has little things missing from her room and then the housekeeper gets sick and then the cook goes missing and all kinds of things kind of get in Stella's way of recreating this magical Christmas. Not to mention, of course, since it is a murder mystery that, you know, she tends to find dead bodies. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the gist. Lindy is trying to help her. He also is just kind of thinks of Christmas as a duty and stuffy and the same thing every year and is really excited to have Stella kind of infuse this um, new excitement into the house. So this was a new series to me. I, I actually haven't heard of it yet. And so this is, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I, I was sent a copy because uh, I mentioned in a previous episode, I had talked a little bit about this book and uh, said I was going to go back and start reading with book one because I really enjoyed it. Um, I truly did. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad and, you found it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, um, there, there's a, a, a couple of places know that I, I like to talk about Christmas books on, on the podcast. So I get sent a book a time or two. And um, I, I was joking with my wife this just this morning, in fact, that um, this is the whole reason I started my podcast was to get free books. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you, you've got a good gig going then. Don't That's you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not entirely, but <laughs> uh, but I guess just to look at your series as a whole. And I, I will say um, if folks are interested in reading book five, I have had no idea about the series at all. And, and I don't tend to like to read books out of order, but sometimes I have to. And uh, I, I didn't feel lost at all in like trying to figure out who is who or the backstory. It, it's it's a story you could read out of order, I think. Um, so j just from that perspective, I know I've had people ask me that before about other books I've covered. So And, and if I can say, I actually did that on purpose mm -hmm. because when um, I... You know, I also love to read mysteries and cozy mysteries. And one of the things that um, I tend to do is go to like the library or the bookstore and find um, when, especially when I'm looking for a new author, like I'll find their seasonal uh, book, like mm -hmm. the, their Christmas book or their Halloween book or their Easter book. And if I have never read any of them before, but then it's topical. So I think, well, if I like that, then I'll go back and, and read 
you know, start at the beginning. It was it's kind of like a good introduction. And so when I wrote my Christmas book, I thought, well, maybe there's people who will just find me because it's a Christmas book. So I have to make sure that it is as standalone as, as possible. So I'm glad you felt that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, looking at just your series as a whole, um, how did how did you get into writing it? Well, I was talking to my agent and we were come up with an idea for a series and I was throwing out different ideas. And I said, um, one of the things that I've always been an Anglophile since I can remember just all things British. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, so I would love to set a series in England, but I, you know, I don't know what the hook would be, what, you know, what, what it would be. And so we just started talking and then I started telling him this story about um, how I was, I think 10 years old when I told my mom that I wanted to go to England. I was a big Beatles fan and, and you know, I had Victoria Magazine, the whole thing. So mm-hmm. I said to him, you know, I told my mom I wanted to, to, to go to England and she said, okay, well, we'll open a savings account and you can save up your money and you can go. So when I was 17, I went to her and I said, okay, I've got enough money. And she said, to do what? And I said, to go to England. So I went to England and I had been, you know, say, like I said, saving up my money and dreaming about it and thinking about it and reading about it for all those years. And when I got there, I actually had like this culture shock. I, I thought I had known so much about it, read so much about it. And we have such a shared history with mm-hmm. England. I didn't expect it to be vastly different. And yet I was struck day after day after day, all the differences between uh, our cultures in a, in a good way and sometimes in not so good way. And so I said, yeah, it was really interesting to go there and have that, you know, feel like a fish out of water in a place that I thought I would fit like a glove. And my agent said to me, well, I guess we've found your new series. So I created this American who, um, you know, was this fish out of water. And and so I had to also come up with why would she go to England and what would be um, the benefits? What would be the, the downsides? What would be the conflicts? And so I came up with, you know, I had been reading about um, the million dollar princess uh, princesses, that that whole kind of phenomenon Mm-hmm. and decided that that's what I wanted her to be, to sell it to be. And then I came up with the idea, but she didn't know that um, her father, who is a uh, Kentucky horse breeder, so he's like wealthiest man in Kentucky, and yet he can't climb the social status in this era without a British title, which is what a lot of the, the American um robber barons, so to speak, did. So they would marry off their daughters and then they would gain that social status. So that's what he did. And he decided basically to sell sell Stella off like one of his racehorses. She just didn't know about it. Mm. So um, that kind of, you know, set up that fish out of water. And I was able to um, combine, you know, uh, Lindy, have Lindy and Stella, because they're both coming at the, at that arranged marriage in different ways but neither one of them was, were, they were both forced to do it and neither one of them was very happy about it. But luckily for them, they found um, uh, a kindred soul in each other. So I wanted it to kind of, even though they came at it from a negative perspective, the, the two overbearing parents, 
um, I wanted it to sort of have a happy ending. So they do eventually evolve to like each other and to love each other. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where it came from. Okay. Um, yeah, I was wondering, uh, I, I, I caught hints and, and was able to put some pieces together, you know, as I was reading uh, book five, but that's, that's right. kind of what I pieced together and, and you filled in a few yeah. little details for me there. So yeah. I, I really like uh, the vibe of, of this book or, and maybe it's throughout the series of, you know, kind of tapping into that um, down to Navi kind of culture of the, you know, the, the, the kitchen staff and the, and the maids and all that with, with the upper crust of society. I just find that dynamic to be so fascinating. It, it really is. And, and, and that's one of the things I like about, it, cause you do have that, that stratification, mm-hmm. but bringing in um, an American, because you think, you know, upstairs, downstairs, because I know there was Downton Abbey, but then before Downton yeah. Abbey was upstairs, downstairs. And I watched every, I think there's like 22 seasons of that or something. <laughs> wow. And I watched that as a teenager. So that's, that's, you know, I, I was thinking that as well. And so it's always nice to have a character who can navigate those two, um, two worlds. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I made one of the reasons why I created Stella, who, although she's from a wealthy family, She's American, so things are a little less formal in in her in her world. And then having um, kind of this absentee father, which you haven't gotten because you've only written read mm-hmm. book five. But mm-hmm. her father was a very distant, um, brutish man that she didn't spend a lot of time with. She spent most of her life with stable hands and that and and that sort of thing. And her um, and her mother was also gone, so she was raised more by the staff and so when she came to England she expected to be able to interact with the household staff the same way she did at home and so she actually even though she can you know kind of go upstairs and downstairs but then finds that even there the rules are have changed Mm -hmm. so it's 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 fun to do that as well I I was I love enjoying is the right word, but uh, appreciating her uh, Stella's struggle there where, you know, she wanted to to talk with the, the kitchen uh, workers and, and they were like shocked. You're down here. You know, don't come down here. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. supposed to be upstairs. And then yeah, the uh, some of the folks upstairs were, were like just dismissing her out of hand, you know, because right. of who she yeah. is. And uh, yeah, that was uh, a very interesting part of her uh, her character development in this book. And one of the things too that you missed is one of the books she's actually stays at the Dowager House because mm. she um, once they are engaged, it's inappropriate for her to be actually living in the same household as Lindy. So they send her over to the Dowager House, which no one is staying, but they still have a staff. It's a minimal staff. There's a housekeeper, a cook, and a and a butler basically. Mm-hmm. And so it's just her and her father, and these three. Um, servants and so she actually gets to know these servants very very well and that's where she starts to um charm them in a way and make some of them realize that okay she's she's kind of quirky and does little things a little different but she's you know got uh, a good heart and we can tolerate her her odd requests and those characters end up being um in this in the fifth book so Mm -hmm. um was it Mrs. Downey and uh, the cook? 
And, um, oh, I, it's funny. I can't think of the, <laughs> the characters. <laughs> I've got so many characters. But the, right. the, so the housekeeper and the cook um, from the from uh, the Dowager house end up at Mornington Hall. So going forward, she's going to have a little bit more sympathetic staff, which is which is nice. I like to have more sympathetic people around her. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, do you have plans then to uh, keep the series ongoing? I do. Yeah. I'm, I have, I'm writing a book right now where, uh, which is book six in the series where Stella and Lindy um, attend the, the open championship or otherwise known around here as the British open in uh, just outside St. Andrews, Scotland. And then there is a book seven as well planned. All right. That's in the future. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this book again is set at Christmas time. So how, uh, how was it writing about Christmas um, throughout the year? It was that difficult for you or were you able to get into the zone? Um, I would say for the most part, I was able to get in the zone. I, I tend, I love Christmas. Mm -hmm. I love Christmas. It's definitely my favorite season. And though I, I do tend to, you know, try to keep it after Halloween right, <laughs> or, or, you know, or, or even Thanksgiving, but I'm definitely by Thanksgiving, I'm definitely itching at the bit to, you know, put up my tree and, and start decorating. And I, you know, I grew up, my, my mom decorated our house to, the, you know, just to the nines. And mm. it was, I was able to kind of tap into that childhood, um, adoration really i just adored christmas and so i was able to tap into that uh, whenever i was at the you know at, at, uh, typing on my laptop even if it was you know 90 degrees outside because <laughs> i did have i have such a rooting in in the tradition of you know christmas and all the traditions that it wasn't hard to to pull them up you know yeah and, and you know worst worst comes to worst you could just crank up the air conditioner and uh, you know, <laughs> pretend it's right. cold. <laughs> right. <laughs> what was it? The other um, earlier this week, the the um, the temperature outside was you know almost eighty degrees. I think it actually got over eighty, which is unusual for October. And yes. my wife had um, planned to have uh, soup that night, yeah. and she said, "I'm sorry, I planned soup on such a hot night, but let's just turn the air conditioner down." <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll make Lose it work. It. That's right. <laughs> that works. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so that we did. <laughs> so again, uh, again, this book is called Murder on Mistletoe Lane. It does contain some wonderful uh, Christmassy scenes, as well as just, uh, you know, that your typical uh, uh, your your uh, murder mystery elements as well. So, uh, I know I, I've read some mystery books that are set at Christmas, but it's almost like a, an afterthought, but this really has Christmas woven throughout it. And, and that's, um, I think what really appeals to us. So I, I again recommend uh, you, you all go out and read this book. And I believe the book one is called, uh, let's see, Murder at Morrington Hall. Yes. That's the first book. Yep. Okay. And that's also where, uh, Murder on Mistletoe Lane, uh, that's where it takes place. You know, that's where they're, mm -hmm. they're in Warrington hall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think this will be one that um, folks will enjoy reading uh, this time of year uh, for sure. As we uh, want to kind of pick your, uh, pick your brain a little bit here, as we talk also about Christmas and traditions and things, uh, as you mentioned, 
you're uh, you're a big fan of Christmas. One of the things I like to ask my guests here, I've kind of just started really, but do you like eggnog and Ed or no? That's that's the real big question. I love eggnog. All right. But I'm uh, lactose intolerant. So I get the eggnog light, mm-hmm. which is made with the skim milk. Mm-hmm. And then I take my lactate pill. <laughs> <laughs> but I I have to say eggnog is one of those things that if I could buy it in the grocery store year round, mm-hmm. I would. Mm. I definitely limit myself because I know it's so rich and it's you know not yeah. the healthiest thing. But I love eggnog, especially with a little shavings of nutmeg on fresh nutmeg on top. Oh, yeah. I oh love boy. eggnog. Yep. I even uh, I even got a I even got a uh, a recipe book as a child. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very simple recipes that, you know, a, a six, seven, eight year old could do. And the only page that has, you know, like splatters and <laughs> mess on it because I used it every year was the homemade eggnog page. So I used to even make my own homemade eggnog as a child. Wow. Okay. Now, now we're, uh, we're dealing with a fan here for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I I've been tempted to try to make my own eggnog, but I didn't know how hard it would be or um, anything like that. I haven't really looked at the, um, at, uh, you know, at a recipe or anything. So I might have to give that a try. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> now i um i really like um since we both live in iowa um you're familiar with a and e eggnog yes um, i i have tried other eggnog and, and they don't sponsor this show at all but that is my favorite eggnog i mean it there's is good nothing yeah. that compares um although i have to probably check into that light version because mm-hmm. um I just had a doctor's appointment where I found out my cholesterol has been way too high. So, <laughs> right, and eggnog doesn't help. Definitely. No, I'm like, doc, we're, we're headed into eggnog season here, right? right? You can't, you can't restrict me. But <laughs> right. yeah, so look into the light. It it definitely is a. <laughs> you okay. can have more for the same amount of. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. Cool. Hey. <laughs> Similar to uh, to you as well, you know, with uh, with lactose intolerance and things, I, I got a little bit of that as well. And but you know, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. But me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, that's um, that's really the big quick Christmas question there. I know I've had some people <laughs> who say I don't like eggnog at all. Give me hot chocolate, but um, and you know, those people aren't allowed back on my show. So. <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I like both hot chocolates just as good. So it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are some of your uh, favorite Christmas uh, stories or movies that, you know, you know, if, if I didn't watch this film, it wouldn't be Christmas. Ah, uh, well, that's tough because we have so many Christmas movies that we just start watching like one a night uh-huh. <laughs> like after Thanksgiving. And it's interesting because but there, there there are favorites and so we start with the least favorite ones and mm-hmm. leave the the favorite ones to you know like the day christmas eve eve or christmas eve mm-hmm. and so i have to say of all of them uh my absolute favorite is arthur christmas mm-hmm. 
Um, it is just, it's such, it, it embodies Christmas and it, it's such a feel good movie that I've seen it. I don't, I, I maybe 20 times already. It's only been out maybe 10 years and maybe, and it's just, it always makes it. I mean, my face hurts by the time I'm done. Cause I'm smiling so much through the movie. Mm. It's that's, that's my absolute favorite. And of course it's British. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no surprise there. Um, but you know, I also like the classics. I love, you know, a Christmas Carol, pretty much every version I have, you know, I have a, um, the, the actual story, you know, the Dickens mm -hmm. story and that I read every year and then all the different iterations mm -hmm. we've really, um, I, we just recently got, you know, how Netflix was going out of, uh, getting out of the DVD business. Right. And so whichever DVD they sent you last, you got to keep. And so we all, my family and I, we got together and we were like, okay, what's the one video or DVD that we don't have that we want? And uh -huh. we all decided it was the man who invented Christmas. Okay. So yeah. That's another one, another favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that film. Um, it's also British. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was going to ask if you had any, um, you know, British Christmas favorites. Uh, you know, it sounds like those would kind of cover that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I haven't seen, uh, Arthur Christmas yet, but oh, I, yeah. I've heard people mentioning it a lot. I'm familiar with it. Um, oh. but it is yeah. one of those films that came out. It, it, it kind of just missed my, my kids were when they were that age to watch it and they weren't old enough to want to go back and watch cartoons, but they felt like they were a little too old for cartoon kind of thing. And, you know, just that real awkward spot. They were all like, I don't want to watch that. Right. Um, so anyway, it's one of those I haven't gotten around to, but I'm going to put that on my list of films to watch this year. I think. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to be a, a kid just because yeah. it's animated. It's um, even the, the acting, the writing is amazing. Most of it, goes over the kids heads so to me it is actually more of an adult movie because mm -hmm. of so much of the the british humor it mm -hmm. just it's um and yeah just and every year i hear something new even though i mm. i've i've watched the movie there's all these little things in there you go oh my gosh i didn't catch that last time that is so funny or that is so true or just but just because it's animated doesn't mean it isn't a masterpiece in my opinion Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Definitely yeah, put I, it well, on your list. I, yeah. I love animated films. Um you, you know, one of my favorite films of all time is is uh like Wally -E and Up, you, you know, uh from Pixar. Uh, -huh. uh just two yeah. really fantastic films. And yeah. uh and then uh you know, I, I'm like you, I will read a Christmas carol every year and watch a couple different versions of it. Um uh, I although I I've got you know, I'm down to um Really, just the two I, I really enjoy the most is, um, you know, the Alistair Sim version and then uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol. I love that yes, version. <laughs> I love the Muppets because the yeah. Muppets is from what I've seen. The Muppets is one of the closest ones to the actual um, Dickens story. Right. It is. You know, yeah. It really is. People go, what? <laughs> but it is. It's amazing. They, they, they do such a good job of making it a ghost story because it's really supposed to be a ghost story. Yeah. So, and it's, yeah, it captures a lot of it that, that most people, and then of course you got the, the, 
the, you know, the punchy music, <laughs> which makes right. it more Christmassy and fun. Yeah. 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 I agree. That's definitely one of the ones we watch every year too. It's funny because it's the, uh, you know, you've got a film with a, a singing, dancing frog and yet it's one of the more yeah. closely, um, you know, adapt close adaptations of all of them. So <laughs> right. there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and spooky, you know, some of those puppets are, are, are kind of, you know, they're pretty scary. Yeah. The Chris, the, the ghost of Christmas, um, you know, future is just, mm-hmm. you know, Ooh. Yeah. I, I, I actually, and I like the, uh, in, in that film, the, the ghost of, uh, Christmas past, you know, just the way they filmed that with the, with the puppet, it's such, it's such a hard concept that Dickens was writing about, you know, about how it looked yeah. simultaneously like an old man and a young baby and, and, uh, had like at one time had four legs or only two and, uh, all, all it's like this constant changing shape and they're able to translate that into this very, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, ethereal kind of floaty thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. Muppet yeah. just really yeah. worked. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, how about, uh, one of my favorite aspects of Christmas that I'm probably going to have to, um, change a bit now is, is the food. Food. <laughs> I knew yeah. you were going to say food. Yeah. yeah. What, what kind of, uh, what kind of foods or snacks or desserts do you like to have at Christmas time? Ah, uh, that's kind of evolved over the years. Um, my mom used to make these gingerbread cookies that, um, I would eat in out of obligation because she would make them and she would decorate them, but they would be hard as rock. And I always thought gingerbread was, that's the way it was supposed to be. But they were, they were to me, they're more decoration. She would, she would cover all the shelves in the kitchen with them. But my brother loved them that way. So she would make them that way every year. And then I had gingerbread cookies somewhere else and realized, oh, gingerbread could actually be really nice. <laughs> so um, I do love, we do make uh, like gingerbread cake. And then I've also been into a lot of British like Christmas cake and Christmas puddings, things like that. But I make a, um, a sugar cookie that of my a friend of my brother's mom kind of a, a a distant but kind of a distant connection but she was a really good baker and one day when i was in high school she just decided to teach me how to make her sugar cookies and i have been making them every year since they they're like you can't have christmas without without these, they're called the old fashioned sugar cookies. And so I make those. And my husband doesn't like sweets. Um, he'll eat chocolate, but for most of the part, he doesn't care for sweets. But he's the one that insisted when we got married that we continue that tradition and we uh, that I make my sugar cookies. So that's definitely a lot of sweets. I realize mm. everything I'm mentioning are sweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, it's, 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 yeah. Just a season to gain weight, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it really is. And I'm trying to think of the savory things. I know growing up, we, um, we always had shrimp cocktail mm-hmm. and this may sound funny, but chasubao, which is, um, a barbecued pork steam buns, Chinese barbecued steam buns that we would find mm. Somewhere on our travels way back in the day, this is back in the 70s and early 80s, we would go to 
uh, I grew up actually um, in upstate New York. So we would go to like Boston or, or Montreal or someplace that had a Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And we would get these and freeze them and then have them for Christmas Eve. And now I can just go. I think I think the town I live in now has something like six Asian markets. So I can have Chasu Bao anytime I want. But um, but that was something special that was very unusual, I think, to have as a as a Christmas Eve treat. Yeah, my um, my uh, my wife's parents, uh, they they would have um, they they lived in uh, they live in Omaha. And um, so we, we were always got to go out and see them. But uh, she would have uh, shrimp. Uh, cocktail out you know and, and like uh-huh. a platter of shrimp and can yep. what she she mixed like uh cream cheese and this cocktail sauce together and oh man so good <laughs> yeah yeah when i first visited them as uh when my wife and i were just dating uh and i went to visit at, at, at christmas time and i walk into their kitchen and there's this table just full of junk food and like, like homemade cookies, uh, all, all this stuff. And, and I, I just, I, I tell her now, I knew then I was going to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at all this food. This is amazing. Yeah. Turns out they were trying to capture me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet you they were. Yeah. One thing that we do is we, we don't do a big, um, you know, we'll have like, uh, you know, like the shrimp and things like that at, at the Christmas Eve, but and we would never, growing up, we would never have Christmas dinner. We would have Christmas breakfast. That was our tradition. Mm-hmm. We would have um, this huge, huge breakfast. Um, but then uh, but then we would have very little for actually Christmas night dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all it was all about Christmas breakfast. And that mm-hmm. was a lot of times eggs benedict is, was a big popular. That's something we, my husband and my family still do eggs Benedict for Christmas breakfast. Those so. are good. Uh, we will have like a, a midday meal kind of, we, we, we kind of merge lunch and dinner together and, and just eat ourselves sick, you know, yeah. <laughs> but we, yeah. we do. Um, and we've kind of started this just within the last five or 10 years or so. Uh, but we'll have, you know, we'll have a, a Christmas breakfast as well. And usually it's a uh, French toast of some kind. And then, like some sausage or something and uh, you know, just a kind of a special breakfast. And yeah, so it's gotten to be where I, um, you know, we'll get them up with the open stockings and then, you know, we're, we were terrible parents and made them wait till after breakfast to open the presents. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, but try to make a lot of fun. So I, you know, I get on my crazy Christmas apron and make some French toast and um, have a good time with that. It, it's just really a lot of fun. Christmas mornings are just the best. Oh, yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah. When I, when I was growing up, we um all the bedrooms were upstairs, and so we could not go downstairs to see if Santa came until my father would go down to verify that yep. he had come. And basically as an adult, I found out he was going down to fix start the coffee, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but so my brother and I would literally be at the top of the stairs like screaming at him hurry come on it's like it, it wasn't that you know what 10 yards to, to to get down the stairs and to verify that there were presents under the tree in the dining room you know the living room mm-hmm. so but he had to have to go all the way in the kitchen and make his coffee and 
we would just be like literally going out of our minds. But we never imagined going downstairs before my father said it was okay. Right. <laughs> it's just like that was just something we we did. It's like, you know, you didn't yeah. question that tradition. It was just, you know, it was almost like an invisible barrier. Like, of course you can't cross that line until till dad says, Yep. Santa yep. came. <laughs> you can go down, yeah. And thank God he always came. Oh my That's God. Right. Even in even in the roughest years, there's always something under the tree. So yep. Christmas was special. Yeah. Still is. Yeah, that and that's so true. Even even in the roughest years, uh, Santa yeah. came. Yeah. But yeah, we 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 do something similar with our kids. Uh, although I've got one now in college, the other one just finished high school, and then my daughter just started um uh just started high school but even uh -huh. last year we made them wait on the stairs and mm -hmm. it was really funny because my yeah. the two older boys were were like we'll just go back to bed for a while if it's okay with you <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's a little different when you're a little bit older yeah <laughs> yeah but uh my my daughter uh she has she still has a lot of christmas spirit so she's already been singing some christmas music <laughs> yeah yeah it's good times yeah was there a, a Christmas that was really special to you and what, what made it special that, that kind of sticks out in your mind? Well, actually I, I had a lot, like I said, my, my childhood Christmases were, were all special, but I have to pick a, a very more recent uh, Christmas that really sticks out in my mind because I, like I said, I went to England when I was 17 for the first time. And then it took me 30 years to get back. Mm -hmm. And, um, my, my family went and I went and, and then I got this series and I started to go, um, to research my books. And so I, I was going to England almost every year for a while. And then I thought my husband wouldn't be like, okay, I've been to England. That was good. You know, cause he, you know, he's been all over the world. He's been to Africa and, you know, Argentina and, you know, all, all these places and so, but he said, oh, I got an opportunity to go to a conference in Birmingham at Christmas time. Would you want to go? And I always want to be in my own house in front of my own tree on Christmas morning. Mm -hmm. We travel a lot after Christmas, but I've never been away from home on Christmas day. But then this was England. So I was right. really conflicted. I thought, what do I do? You know, can I, can I actually give up this tradition of, of, you know, 50 years, almost 40, not whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so I, I decided, okay, I, I really want to go to England. I love, I, it's, it's a, such a special place and I will give up this tradition and, and we'll make the best of it. It will be okay. And we'll just celebrate when we come home. And, you know, I kind of rationalized and we went to um, Yorkshire for uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day. And mm -hmm. we had uh, Christmas dinner, which which is like you said, kind of a more of a midday meal in in England. A very you know, we went out to this really fancy restaurant that had that I had to make reservations um, months in advance, and and it was this you know big. There was a Santa and and all these decorations of this huge buffet and just this gorgeous meal. And, you know, we put our stockings on the little uh, dresser where the, the TV was in our room. And we even had uh, the, the housekeeping staff, when they saw our 
stockings. They put things in our stockings, unbeknownst to us. Because when mm. we opened our stockings Christmas morning, it was like, wait a minute, where did these come from? And it <laughs> turned out, and and we got Christmas cards from the hotels and because we were away from home. And yeah. it was just, it was so special. All of us still think of that as one of our best Christmases ever. And we weren't even at home. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was really special. It wow. really was. Yeah. You, you know, I, I'm the same. I, I like to be at home on Christmas and very seldom. I don't think, actually, I don't think we've ever celebrated Christmas anywhere other than at home, you know, at least for Christmas morning. Right. But you know, if there's one thing to tempt me, it would be a chance to do it in England. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I need to get over there sometime. And like, I, I like a lot of uh, old, old classics too. So you know, I want to go and see, you know, the 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 Dickens Museum and the and the Bronte um, Parsonage and you know all, all those old old writers and where they lived and the museums they have and it just yeah I I, I think I might need to spend a year there just traveling. <laughs> Yeah, that's my dream. Definitely. I keep trying to talk my husband into doing a sabbatical there so we can yeah. <laughs> live there for a while because I don't care how, how many weeks I spend there and it just, it's never enough. Right. So. Well, I, I definitely catch your, your love of, of, of England here in your story. Um, it's definitely there and, um, uh, it makes sense now it, it all comes together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you truly do. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I've got to, I've got to wrap things up here. Clara, is there um, anything you want to promote? I mean, other than your new book, do you have a website uh, where folks can come and, and uh, find you? Um, sure. Yeah. It's just claramckenna.com. Claramckenna.com and um, yeah. find out all the things there. Do you, do you have a, a newsletter there too? I do. Like? And you okay. can sign up, you can sign up on my newsletter um, for my newsletter on my website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I, I remember seeing that. So all right. Well, I am going to go and put Arthur Christmas on my uh, to-watch list here and see what all the fuss is about. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have to let me know what you think. Definitely. Okay, I will. Um, this this might be an upcoming episode of the podcast. I think that might be <laughs> that be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, again, folks, the book is called uh, "Murder on Mistletoe Lane," uh, the the newest mystery out by Clara McKenna. Thank you, Clara, for coming on. And I hope that you and your family have a Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. And to you too, Art. So thank you so much for listening today. And if you would like to help support the podcast, there are several ways you can do that. Just check out the show notes. There's a link to the merch store as well as getting some uh Christmas ornaments and things on Etsy that I have, Christmas t-shirts, all that good stuff. If you make a donation to the podcast on Kofi.com, I will send you a bookmark or sticker of the or, or podcast sticker suitable for framing. Well, okay, not really, but uh, I'll send you that along with a Christmas card as my way of saying thank you for your support. Thank you to those who have supported in the past. It means the world to me. Thank you so much. So uh, stay tuned now as we get closer to Thanksgiving. I'll be, I've got a, a, a special Thanksgiving episode planned that you will not want to miss. I was going to uh, tease a, a mystery celebrity guest, but uh, she's been on the podcast several times before. Well, stay tuned to see who that might be. With that, I will go ahead and sign off today. 
But until next time, remember that we will honor Christmas in our hearts and try to keep it all the year. Have a very Merry Christmas.